I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble, and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, the podcast all about music. This is part two of a massive episode, so um, hope you enjoyed the first one, uh, first part. Hope you enjoyed this one. There's a lot that I want to talk about. A bunch of new stuff, a bunch of music festival stuff, a bunch of just random topics that are on my mind. Um, I have a my typical shameless plug to start off make sure you like my facebook page groupie and harmony you can get any updates about both the podcast and my music blog feeling groupie and uh be on the lookout for a post um so i'm recording this on the 23rd and probably hoping to release this the 24th at the time of recording this i haven't yet released part one even but that'll be released soon and then i'm hoping to have my the blog post my next blog post release either tomorrow or probably tomorrow sometime, so sometime on the 24th, or at more or at latest, 25th morning. And that one's going to be, because I teased it in part one, but didn't actually say what it was. That one's going to be um, my list of top holiday songs. So be on the lookout for that. I'm hoping to have it done tonight. Um, and I also have a basketball blog, Is Baller Trademarked Yet? Um, I have a, a separate page for that, and um, I have a post that's going to be coming out, I'm finishing up, that's uh, related to observations with each team and that's taken a while because every time I write one with every team I forget about how long the thing takes um then I'm also hoping to have a couple other posts coming out soon um that hopefully won't take as long after that um so be on the lookout for those so now for today there's a bunch that I want to talk about but we have some new story that just came out earlier today earlier this evening Tory Lanez has been found guilty of shooting Megan Thee Stallion in 2020. Now, uh, he pleaded guilty on three charges. Um, then this is all per CNN. Um, he pleaded guilty on charges related to assault with a semi-automatic, uh, a semi-automatic firearm, carrying a loaded unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and discharge of a firearm with gross negli- negligence. And he pleaded guilty, not, I'm sorry, he pleaded not guilty to all three of them, and he was convicted by the jury on all three counts. So, um, what, uh, so what happens next? We don't know how long he's going to be sentenced for yet. Um, his, the maximum sentence that he could face is 22 years, and he could potentially be deported back to Canada where he's from. Um, but we won't really, we won't know that yet. So, um, not quite sure when that's going to be happening, but when that comes out, we'll, I'll discuss that one a little bit. Um, at some point, if our schedule's worked out, I might try bringing Megan 
uh, my sister, our legal expert, on to discuss that a tiny bit also. Um, but I don't want to promise that because my schedule is insane. Hers is as well, to say the least. But we know so far he it has been found guilty. It wouldn't surprise me if there is some sort of jail time. Now, what I was hoping to actually start out the podcast with prior to that, uh, to that coming out, that news coming out was to do, um, I was hoping to discuss some music festival lineups. So now I'm going to now, and, uh, there's a bunch of festival lineups that I do want to discuss. Uh, the first one, uh, and I'm going to, what I'm going to do also is I'm going to, uh, limit, uh, excuse me, I'm going to limit it to a bunch of, a bunch of these two, uh, like, I'm going to try to do it for less than, for fewer than three minutes. Um, it might take that long to read the lineups though, so definitely fewer than, once I hit five minutes for each, I'm going to just plan on stopping. So, the first festival I'm going to be discussing is Welcome to Rockville, which is a hard rock metal festival. Um, Danny Warren Presents puts that on. They were the same group that did Epicenter, which was the the topic of the first podcast I ever recorded. Um, and I've brought up several times since then. Um, and probably people are like, what the hell is this festival? But uh, this is another one of their festivals. It takes place at Daytona Beach, Florida. It's going to be taking place uh, from May... Uh, Excuse me. Uh, it's going to be taking place May 18th through 21st, which will be a Thursday through a Sunday. And uh, headliners for each day, or the big name headliner for each day, Thursday Slipknot, Friday is Avenged Sevenfold, which, um, if I'm not mistaken, will be, uh, will be their first performance since 2018. Uh, sa- Saturday is Pantera, and Sunday is Tool. And then as for the bigger names on each day, um, in addition, on Thursday, in addition to Slipknot, you have... Rob Zombie, Queens of the Stone Age, Pussifer. Um, so you have some double duty, uh, one between two and Pussifer. Uh, Trivium, Bullet for My Valentine, Black Veil Brides, Suicidal Tendencies, Avatar, Blackstone Cherry, Converge, Bandmaid, uh, Austin Mead, Bloody Wood, Straight from the Path, Brutus, and, uh, Rain, Rain City Drive, and, uh, which were formerly known as Slaves, but before they changed their name for obvious reasons, and then some others. On Saturday, in addition to Avenged Sevenfold, there's Evanescence, Hardy. Yes, you heard that right. Country artist Hardy and Avenged Sevenfold are going to be in the same lineup on the same day together, and I, I'm roaring. I can't stop laughing about that. Um, I Prevail, Motionless in White, Asking Alexandria, Sleeping with Sirens, Bad Flower, Aaron Jones, Memphis May, Fa- Me- Memphis May Fire, From Ashes to New, Born of Osiris, The Warning, Mothica, Des Rocks, and some others. On Saturday, in addition to Pantera, there is Godsmack, Alice Cooper, Chevelle, Altered Bridge, Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening, Knocked Loose, Rival Sons, Yellow Wolf Presents, Sometimes Why, Pop Evil, Suicide Silence, Sepultura, The Bronx, Poor Stacy, Horror, uh, 0936, and some others. And on Sunday, there's Tool, in addition to Tool, Deftones, Incubus, uh, the Mars Volta, Coheed and Cambria, Pennywise, Ghostmane, Grandson, Sueco, Filter, Deaf Heaven, Anti-Flag, Senses Fail, New Year's Day, Nothing Nowhere, Angel Dust, Nova Twins, and some others. Um, 
so yeah, I think that overall, that's I think that they made some really good selections. The headliners, um, in particular, Slipknot, Event Sevenfold, Tool. You'd kind of um, those are the kind of magnitude names that they book for those kind of things. Um, I wasn't sure where Pantera would be in terms of this kind of festival where they would be booked uh, in the lineup. So I wasn't, I di- didn't necessarily expect that they'd be a headliner, to tell you the truth. I thought maybe they'd be the second or third biggest name on the day. I didn't, well, not too, too shocked, though. Um, and then even, like, the second biggest names on each day realistically could have been booked as a headliner. The third biggest names on each day also are all really big. Um, and I think that in terms of the undercard after that, they... They, I will say, I do think that with this, uh, with Danny Weir presents, they do have, they do tend to book a lot of. Uh, they do have a really strong undercard, and this one's no different. Uh, even like a bunch of the acts that I, some of the acts I didn't mention, further down, like I know on Sunday, for instance, uh, Wargasm has has like cult following. Bob Dylan, I'm sorry, but not Bob Dylan, Bob Villain rather. Um, I'm all in on them. They're they've gotten a lot of acclaim recently um and they have a blend of bands that are um on the rise that are notable like knocked loose in particular um is one that's been rapidly rising um and then uh some like and ghost main also has been rapidly rising some like more established acts um that are notable like coheed and cambria um trivium uh Chevelle actually was probably the best example of that. Alter Bridge also, um, and then some like acts that are like um, that still people see, will probably see in the lineup and be like, oh okay, I know some of their songs like Blackstone Cherry, um, Pennywise, some other bands like that. So overall, I think that this is a good lineup. I am eyeing it because there's even like with other than the big names, there are a bunch of smaller bands that I do like on this on this lineup. Um, big Def Heaven fan um converge love them some other bands also so i'm at five minutes so let's go on to the next festival which is cali vibes so this one's taking place in marina green park in long beach california um the so the way it's interesting the way they did it because they have a so they have they specifically have a special saturday night performance and a special sunday night performance at the top um uh, so you have uh, the special Saturday night performance is Snoop Dogg. Special Sunday night performance is Jack Johnson. Obvi- I'm assuming that they're headlining those ones. And then they also have, at the bottom, they have a special Saturday night performance from uh, Catastro, who's uh, performing in memory of Andy J. Ch- Andy J. Ch- Andy J. Chaves. Um, and and uh, on Friday, the bands, some bands that they have are Revolution, Stick Figure, 311, Soja, uh, Steel Pulse, Protege, Kali Buds, Hayatera, Azamaldi featuring Chelly Tuna and Cut Chemist, Sister Nancy, Arise Roots, um, and some others. On Sunday, or, I'm sorry, Saturday rather, in addition to Snoop Dogg, they have Dirty Heads, uh, Damian Marley, Cypress Hill, Method Man and Red Man, uh, Common Kings, Jay Boog, Fortunate Youth, Modest Yahoo, uh, Alborosi, Denim, Long Beach Dub All-Stars featuring Roz One and Jacob Noel, and a bunch of others. 
And then on Sunday, in addition to Jack Johnson, they're slightly stupid. Tosh, Sul Tosh Sultana, Stephen Marley, Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals, Pepper, Roman Duddy, Trevor Hall, Warren G, Hyrie, The Movement, The Elevators, Mike Love, The Hip Ad the hip Abductors, I always misprint, I always do that wrong uh, for some reason, uh, Lee Scratch Perry's mem uh, Lee Scratch Perry Memorial Set, and some others. Um, yeah, I think that that's, yeah, it all makes, <laughs> it all makes sense, the artists that they booked. Um, I mean, like, uh, cause I mean, I would expect some sort of, for this kind of festival, some sort of, so, uh, some sort of reggae, notable, like, modern reggae acts, which you have some, um, so, um, not surprised to see, like, an artist like Jack Johnson on there, that makes sense, um, and then there are some uh, rap artists who have had cro either crossover into reggae or have similar followings. Like, I mean, you have, like, Snoop, Snoop Dogg definitely has. Um, but then you also have, like, Method Man and Red Man have crossover following. Cypress Hill has some crossover following. Um, and then there's, like, so, uh, evidently Warren G does, too. I'm actually not that surprised by that. But I, if you had asked me prior to that, I probably wouldn't have guessed him, though. Um, yeah, I think that overall, they're... Especially if you're a fan of this type of music. Yeah, that's a good one. And that's a good lineup for, for you. Um, next festival that I would like to discuss is... the. Uh, excuse me, let me try that again. Next festival is uh, is Blue Ox Festival. That one is uh, going to be taking place in... Uh, um... Let me pull that up because uh, um, my the site was acting up on me. Let me try this again here. It's taking place in Eau Claire, uh, Eau Claire Wisconsin. Um, and there we go. And that's what I'm looking for. Um, so the acts that they have announced so far, there are some other acts that haven't been announced yet. And uh, they include... Two nights performing of Yvette, the Abrett Brothers. And they also have Sam Bush Band, Mike Gordon, Charlie Crockett, the infamous String Dusters, Sierra Hall, Charlie Parr, the Kitchen Dwellers, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, um, Dan, Daniel Tonato's uh, Cosmic Country, uh, The Lowest Pair, Yasmin Williams, and a bunch of others. And more to announce. I think overall... Um, for like a more bluegrassy kind of festival, um, those are some good acts. Vet brother, Vet brothers have a really big following. Um, then uh, Sam Bush, massive following in the genre. Same thing with Mike Gordon. Um, Infamous string dusters do as well. I think getting like someone like Yasmin Williams is a good call. Um, Sierra Hall also is, seems to be rapidly rising. I think overall there are some really good choices with that lineup. Um, and we'll see who else they book, but overall. Yeah, I'd imagine that fan... I'd, I won't be surprised if there are a lot of fans that are excited seeing that. Um, and now, uh, the next festival we're going to be discussing, only part of the lineup has been announced so far, and that's Bamboozle Festival. Um, it's going to take place May 5th through 7th at Batterfield, or Baderfield in Atlantic City in New Jersey. So far... Uh, 
the it sounded like that the biggest names on each it sounded like that the first three names the first three uh because they have a bunch of blanks everywhere it looks like that the first three line or the first line for the first three artists rather um those have not been announced yet it looks like um the artists that have been announced so so far include limp biscuit steve aoki young gravy rick ross boys like girls e-town concrete finch jacks uh mayday parade Seosin, uh teddy swims say anything the spill canvas valencia we the king we the kings babytron diablo gideon and uh a bunch of others um so um yeah i think that overall i mean limp biscuit is having a crazy crazy comeback um i can't say i would have necessarily predicted that one um and then uh uh, Steve Aoki still is really big in electronic music. Young Gravy has absolutely exploded. Rick Ross has a following. Um, they have like a bunch of a bunch of emo bands that still people will go see, like We the Kings, uh, Say Anything, Mayday Parade, Sayosin too. Um, yeah, over and then like I mean, Babytron I feel like could also explode a bit pr more because he I th he is still a little bit underground but he's on the rise i believe so um we'll see what uh uh so we'll see if he ends up i think it's a good chance to take at worst he's uh he's gonna be a little bit smaller um on a lower on the lineup at best he'll explode a bit and then uh and then uh we'll um Excuse me. There we go. Um, excuse me if at any point with my voice. I'm dealing with a tiny bit of a sinus infection. Um, but yeah, at best, then he will uh, end up being bigger and could end up being a higher act, which could get some people to come last minute. Now, uh, the next festival I would like to discuss, normally I, tip, I focus on ones in the U.S. And that's mainly because majority of my listeners are in the U.S. I'm in the U.S. And I think that in general... A lot of times, um, acts that are popular, acts are more popular in some countries than the other. So, um, a fest, a festival lineup might sound weird seeing it in some countries and might, people might think, oh, that's not that good of a lineup when it's massive in that country. But there's a few festivals that I do want to discuss that are international. The first one is, I believe the first time ever, I might be wrong about this though, um, that, uh, um, the, they have Slam Dunk Italy, which Slam Dunk Festival is a pop punk festival that takes place in, typically in the UK. Um, they have one in Italy this year. It's taking place June 2nd and 3rd, which is Friday, Saturday. Um, they also have like, a, uh, they also have like an opening thing on the, on the day before on the Thursday, June 1st. So some 41's headlining that one, but in terms of the actual festival, on Friday, or actually the headliners are rancid that they have the first names. They haven't announced everyone yet, but the biggest names on each day, Rancid on Friday, The Offspring on Saturday, the X they have so far on Friday, in addition to Rancid, are Anti-Flag, Less Than Jake, uh, Bowling for Soup, and Destroy Boys. On Saturday, in addition to The Offspring, 
they have. Uh, simple plan, Billy, Billy Talent, Enter Shikari, and Trash Boat. So overall, those are some like notable names in punk in particular. Um, they're uh, like I know like bands like Simple Plan and Billy Talent have more popularity in Europe in particular than in the U.S. So that's big that they have uh, that they got both of those ones there. Um, and we'll see what the rest of the lineup is. I think that Bowling for Soup I think is a really smart one in particular. Um, I think it's interesting because like you have a a few of the band, a couple bands so far that are like uh, more ones that um, well I don't necessarily want to say that they were bigger at one point because I mean the Offspring was at their commercial not are not at their commercial prime now they were in the past um, so. Yeah, I don't know exactly how to word that, but I mean, maybe ones that are that have like been kind of like were big, then had a little bit of fall off. Now are uh, now have followings again. I don't know exactly how I want to say that, but um, overall, I think that's we'll see what the rest of the lineup is. But I think that's an interesting start. The next festival I want to discuss. My apologies in advance if I've already discussed this lineup. I cannot. I cannot tell if I've already discussed this or not. I don't believe I have, though. And uh, this festival, though, is Headbangers Boat. It's a cruise, metal cruise. Lamb of God is uh, putting it on. It's from October 31st through November 4th. It's going from Miami to Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, the arts that they have booked for it, are Lamb of God, Mastodon, Testament, Hatebreed, Gore, uh, Municipal Waste, Shadows Fall, God Forbid, Lacuna Coil, Gatekeeper, Fit for, Fit for an Autopsy, Violence, Malevolence, Bleed from Within, Dying Wish, uh, and then they also have uh, um, some notable radio and podcast people, Jose um, Bankin, uh, Ricky Reckman, and Jamie Jasta. Um, and it looks like Jamie Jasta is going to do a podcast episode from there. Um, yeah, I think that those are some notable names in metal. Um, Lamb of God definitely has a big following. Mastodon does as well. Um, Testament has, is one of those like all-time kind of thrash metal bands. Uh, Hatebreed is a metalcore band in, in particular because Jamie Jasta is the lead vocalist of them. I'm not surprised that they also have him uh him there as well um doing show gore has a following i mean all these bands and i mean shadows fall recently reunited they have a following i mean all these bands really do have god forbid also recently reunited as well so i mean all these bands really do have followings like even lacuna coil i'm shocked that they're as low as they are on here that's wild and even like in terms of the artists the last one listed is dying wish they're rapidly rising in hardcore punk metalcore. Um, they're still on the lower end in terms of popularity, but they—they're certainly not a no one band now. Um, even just like in the last last year or so, they've they've shockingly grown. So um, that I think that overall they made some really good choices there. Um, and now. Um, the next uh, next festival that I want to discuss 
is Ocean's Calling. That one's uh, from September 30th through October 2nd. Um, and also, unless otherwise noted, I didn't mention this. All of these are 2023. Um, that one's in Ocean City in Maryland. So headliners for each day is uh, the 30th through the 2nd is the is Friday through Sunday. Um, on Friday, the headliner are, is Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. Saturday, it's the Lumineers. And Sunday, it's Alanis Morissette. And the other acts on each day. Um, and Friday, you also have Dirty Heads, OAR, Group Love, Skip Marley, uh, Noah Cahan, Noah um, uh, where were we? Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, Group Love, Skip Mar- oh, no, I reached that line, sorry. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket, um, and some others. And then on, uh, Saturday, and just in the Lumineers, you have Cage the Elephant, Logic, Young the Giant, Jimmy Eat World, Alan Stone, Larkin Poe, and some others. On Sunday, in addition to Morissette, you have Cindy Lauper, Sublime with Rome, uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, Ty Verdes, Lawrence, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, and some others, as well as a special set that day of, of by OAR and Friends. So yeah, I think that those are some those are some interesting combo. I think that there are some good choices. Um, I mean, I could even have seen like um, some of the other bands that were booked even headlining. Like, uh, for instance, I could have seen Cage the Elephant as a headliner. I could have seen Cindy Lauper as a headliner, for instance. Um, even Logic potentially could have been a headliner even. So I think that's wild that the acts they booked. Um, definitely has a lot of depth, which I think is a good call. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, um, I, I think that they... The headliners are notable acts. People come for the headliners. Um, they'll, and especially I think that like you have like even if some, for instance, someone's like not necessarily a Morissette fan, like it wouldn't be surprising to see them being a Dave Matthews fan and a Lumineers fan, for instance. So I think you'll definitely get single day tickets sold. They'll definitely get weekend festivals. Um, just to see two of them, even um, even if they're not fans of all three. So overall, I think that those are those. It's an interesting, some interesting combinations, and they have a bunch of acts that are like, what uh, that are, uh, like, I don't necessarily want to say legacy acts kind of thing, but have been around for a while and have a following, like Jimmy Eat World, OAR, um, there was uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. I I knew there was someone else I couldn't find who it was. Um, Sublime with Rome. So I think overall, those are some uh, those are some good choices for that one. The next festival I want to discuss is Sick New World, which uh, is going to take place on May 13th, which is a Saturday, on the Las Vegas Festival Grounds. The reason this uh, might sound familiar is because that is also where another festival to- that recently took place happened when we were young fest, which we'll discuss a little bit later in the fe- in, in the podcast. This is not a festival, I wish. Um, so this one is a bit like... 90s 90s angsty hard rock themed. Uh, so the acts they have booked so far include System of a Down, Corn, Deftones, Incubus, Evanescence, Turnstile, Chevelle, The Sisters of Mercy, Papa Roach, Death Grips, uh, Flyleaf, uh, Mr. Bungle, Villavalo, uh, Placebo, Wander Jacks, um, Ministry, uh, Skinny Pop, or Skinny Puppy. She wants Rand's Cold Chamber, 
um, KMDFM, uh, Killing Joke, Seven Dust, Kitty, um, and then to just jump around for a few others. Soulfly, Pod, or POD. Sorry, I have a system I work with. His work is called Pod, and we call it, it's abbreviated POD, and we call it Pod. Um, Spirit Box, Hoobastank, Alien Ant Farm, Body Count, Fever 333, um, Horror, um, Filter, Coil, Melvin's Failure, Stabbing Westward, Cold, Cradle of Filth, um, Bun, My Life with a, with the Thrill Kill Cult, bunch of others, um, it's an interesting combination of acts. Um, I think that given the success of When We Were Young Fest and uh, given how a lot of these acts have big fo- um, do have big followings individually, um, especially you see, like, we've seen successful tours now from, I mean, System of Down is huge, but then you, we've also seen successful tours from Korn, Deftones, Papa Roach, Evanescence, um, Chevelle, uh, and also you ha- have some of these other acts, you have some other acts that are rising, like, uh, Spirit Box, um, Turnstile, rapidly rising, uh, Lounge X. So overall, I think that, um, those are some, it's some interesting choices. I honestly, now that, uh, now that when we were young fest worked, and I'm not trying to give too many spoilers, but now that it worked, I think this one will work too. Um, the next festival I want to discuss is another one that's outside of the U.S. and that's Download Festival. Um, so uh, for that one, uh, it's a hard rock metal festival in the U.K. Um taking place june 8th through 11th the lineup thursday metallica friday bring me the horizon saturday metallica sunday slipknot and for metallica they're doing because they actually they're doing what they're because they announced a world tour what they're doing on this tour and they're also doing it here is they're doing two dates at each location um two days apart from each other and they're doing no repeat songs so um with this one it's two unique sets um, and then, uh, some other acts that they have announced, uh, for the next set of artists are in alphabetical order. Alex is on fire. Architects, the distillers, disturbed, evanescence, ghost, I prevail, parkway drive, uh, pendulum, placebo, simple plan, uh, V, V, I always forget which <laughs> V, V when I see it. Villavalo. There we go. Um, I always forget what they have, what their name is within temptation and then just to bounce around for some other names asking alexandria behemoth uh blind channel um fever 333 uh gore ingested lorna shore motionless and white uh momentums mod sun municipal waste nothing nowhere nova kids or nova twins excuse me um seether set it off soul glow terror Three Days Grace, Straight From the Tap, uh, Touche More, and more, and they also have many more that they're going to announce. So, yeah, it's normally a loaded lineup, especially with the headliners. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, especially now that Bring Me the Horizon is, like, headliner status now. I mean, <laughs> it's, um, uh, I get that there are some people that just don't 
like them as much, and I get it. Um, but yeah, that's that's where they are now. Um, but yeah, I think that they the headliners are loaded. Even like the the acts that I secondly second or third biggest name on each day, because like I mean, Disturb could I wouldn't have been surprised two spreads they headlined were headlining. Now, admittedly, they're bigger in the U.S. than in the U.K. Um, Ghost, I wouldn't have been too surprised that they were headlining. Again, still, um, my, um, not sure they have quite the same following in the U.K. as they do in the U.S. Um, and, like, you have some, like, Simple Plan is bigger in the U.K. than in the U.S., for instance. So, um, and even, like, the Undercard acts, because I've always felt like, uh, same thing with, like, the Daniel Warren Presents festivals. I felt like that they ha typically do have a deep festival as well, and a lot of Undercard acts that have followings, and I think that, like, Motionless and Wet will probably be earlier in the day. And there will be a bunch of people that will go see them. So, uh, overall, I think that they made a lot of really good decisions with this festival and so, for the lineup. The next festival I would like to discuss is Adjacent Festival. First time festival um, can take place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, it's coming on the tails of uh, When We're Young Fest. Now they have a similar one on the East Coast. Um... The headliners, at least I'm assuming these two are the headliners because they're the first two listed, Blink-182 and Paramore. I'm also assuming that they're headliners because they're the biggest names on here. Um, other acts that they have, they haven't separated by which day yet, but they also have Bleachers, Turnstile, Japanese Breakfast, Coheed and Cambria, Jimmy Eight World, The Front Bottoms, Idols, uh, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Beach Money, Pup, Knocked Loose, Midtown, Jeff Rosenstock, Thursday, Motion City Soundtrack, The Starting Line, Surf Curse, The Happy Fits, Water Parks, uh, Phantom Planet. I don't know why I didn't think Phantom Planet was active at this time, but apparently they are. The Movie Life, Mannequin Pussy, Weedus, and a bunch of others. Um, so, yeah, I think that overall they have some good choices. I'm looking at the even like some of the acts that I didn't mention, like some of the lower acts, for instance. Meet Me at the Altar. They have... They're rapidly growing in pop punk. Linda Linda's, they're also growing. Um, Royal and the Serpent, they're also growing. Uh, Soul Glow is growing. So, I mean, a bunch of those acts are growing. Um, so there's upside with those acts. Um, I mean, they have two massive names in Blink-182 and Paramore headlining it. And then, I mean, Coheed and Cambria has a huge fan base. Turnstile's rapidly rising as a big fan base. Japanese Breakfast is also rapidly rising. They have a big fan base. Um, and, and then they also have, like, some older acts like Jimmy Eat World too. And then I mean, they do have a lot of acts that um I think it is this one is a little bit riskier with the number of acts that are rising. Um like Idols is another one that's rapidly that is rapidly rising. Um Pup, same thing. Beach Bunny. Um and they don't have as many that are necessarily like as established acts as a lot of these other kinds of festivals that you'll see when they book it. So there's risk involved. I think that Blink-182 and Paramore alone will make the whole thing pan out for them. Um, and, I mean, you do have a couple established acts like Bleachers, Cody and Cambria, Jimmy Eat World, From Pottoms, uh, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, for instance, just to name a few higher-up ones. Um, so it's there's risk involved for sure. But I think that with the, when you have the those big-name headliners, might be worth it. I mean, I don't... The the undercard might not be as strong as some a lot of the other festivals that I will praise though I will say that 
Um, now, uh, the next festival I want to discuss, another international one. I don't know if this is the first time that they're doing it, um, but Lollapalooza India um, taking place in Mumbai January 28th and 29th, so coming up really soon. Uh, headliners for each day. Um, Imagine Dragons on... It's a Saturday, Sunday, um, also. Imagine Dragons on Saturday, The Strokes on Sunday. And then some other, some other names that they've booked so far. I don't know if this is everyone, but they have... Because they don't have a ton of acts on each day listed. Um, but who they have so, uh, so far on Saturday, in addition to Imagine Dragons. A.P. Dillon, Greta Van Fleet, Zoo, Japanese Breakfast, Maidon, um, Chelsea Cutler, Iman Beck, Casablanca, The Yellow Diary, Bloodywood, Sand Dunes, and some others. On Sunday, in addition to the strokes, you have Diplo, Jackson Wayne, Ka uh, Kaas, Pratik uh, Kuat, Divine, Alec Benjamin, Apache, um, the, the Wombats, Ravina, the F-16s, House of H Hashbas, and others. Um, I, th I think that they did, I, I'm not surprised to see, like, them bring in, uh, to have them book Imagine Dragons, bands like Imagine Dragons and the Strokes. I know that Imagine Dragons is polarizing, to say the least, but still, they do have a massive, massive fan base, even still. Um, and then the Strokes, huge. Um, and then I think that they, they typically do have a few, a couple notable acts, uh, in that, um, that are, uh, in the, the, uh, genre that, um, or not the genre, excuse me, the, uh, they're in, uh, popular in the area that were booked. Uh, the biggest one, Ippy Dillon, he's, uh, uh, Indian Canadian rapper. He has some hits in India, um, has a big following there, um, Overall, I I think that there are some solid choices. I could see... I think that they made some good choices. I could understand, though, with Americans looking at it and being a bit underwhelmed. That said, that's part of why I don't... Why I focus more on U.S. festivals because most of my listeners are in the U.S. and I know that that will... That it's easy to think that way still. Um, when this isn't in the u.s it's um so the you're not trying to make u.s fans happy you're trying to make fans in india who will travel to this happy um and i think that overall they i could see i could see it being successful next festival um the reading and leeds festivals uh this one's another uk festival uh it's gonna be uh uh on uh, August 25th through 27th, uh, and, uh, the way that they, uh, the way that they do it is they have, um, typically they have both of them on the same weekend, uh, one in Reading, one in Leeds, um, and they have it so that, uh, there's a, not everyone on the lineup has been announced yet, there's a bunch of others still that haven't been announced, but, uh, the way they do it is the Friday headline, typically the Friday headliners at reading, then are the Saturday headliner at Leeds, Saturday headliner at reading, or, or Saturday, Saturday acts rather at 
reading are the Sunday accent leads, and the Sunday accent reading are the Friday accent leads. So um, the way that I'm going to say it is I'm just going to say the ones for reading just because that's, that's the way they ordered it. Just note that it's a little bit different. It's going to be instead of Friday, Saturday, Sunday with leads, it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, rather. Um, so, headliners, uh, and they do, like, kind of, like, dual headliners kind of thing, um, with typically the, the they, with the two main stages, they have, they have it so it's, like, two headliners, but the first headliner is bigger than the second headliner, second headliner, typically. Um, for Friday, Sam Fender, and then Foles. Saturday, The Killers, and then Louis Capaldi. On Sunday, Billie Eilish, and then Imagine Dragons. Some other big names that they have for Friday. Uh, Lil Carter, Wet Leg, Bicep, doing a live set. Um, Trippy Red, Meeks, Nessa Barnett, or Nessa Barrett, rather. Tion Wayne, You Me at Six. And, um, in fact, they haven't announced any others yet for that one. Um, actually, I'll just go through all these acts because that was quick enough. Uh, Saturday, in addition to the Killers and Louis Capaldi, you have Central Seed, Nothing But Thieves, Slow Tie, Chase Atlantic, Baby Queen, Georgia, Inhaler, um, Elf System, MK, and Young Lean. On Sunday, in addition to Billie Eilish and Imagine Dragons, you have Steve Lacey, Declan McKenna, uh, Becky Hill, Lil TJ, Andy C, Don Bracco, Eliza Rose, Lovejoy, Muna, ShyFX, Songer, and The Snuts. And again, there are a lot of, other, of others that are going to be announced for this festival. Um, I think that they made some good choices um, for the... Big name headliners on each day. Um, Sam Fender's huge in the UK in particular. Um, Killers are massive. Billy Eilish is massive. Uh, and then for the second biggest names on each day, Imagine Dragons, again, might might be polarizing, but they have a massive fan base. Foles is really popular in the UK. Capaldi's an interesting one because he is big, but at the same time, there have been some reports that have come out that the ticket sales for his tour so far have not been what they had hoped for internally. Um, but I, but still, I would expect him to still be higher up for, uh, in the UK, for a UK festival. Um, and then some other acts, again, different popularity levels for these different acts. So like Yumi at six as, and it's an undercard act for Friday. It's big cause they have, a, they have a much, they have a bigger fan base in the UK than in the U S. Um, wet leg, massive, de their debut album is huge in the UK. Um, but then I think that they do have still have and same thing like Don Bracco bigger in the UK than in the US, um, and and like also like Central Sea and Slow Tie those two are massive in the UK, um, absolutely huge, um, but yeah I think that overall the uh, there are some good choice good good selections so far um, in, interesting combination of acts um, and. Yeah, I think that they made some good choices. It's interesting that there isn't a hip-hop artist as a headliner, um, which, I mean, not to say that there should be or shouldn't be. I just, I find it interesting that they don't have one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool seeing some of these because like a, um, someone like a Steve Lacey really exploded this past year um, thanks to Bad Habits. Um but yeah, so overall, I do think that they made some good choices, and they got a bunch of acts that are notable in the UK, and uh, so far the undercard looks fairly deep. Also for the UK, um, 
Now, next festival, we're going to go into some jam festivals here, I believe, for the next ones. Jam, indie, and uh, um, bluegrass festivals here. Um, first one of these, the Peach Music Festival. Um, jam festival that takes place in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, and this one is taking place June 29th through July 2nd. And uh, headliners, Tedeschi Truck, they haven't announced the dates yet, but Tedeschi Tedeschi Trucks Band. Um, don't know. I don't normally mess that one up as bad as bad there. Um, but also Goose, My Morning Jacket, Ween, and they also have a bunch of others, including Joe Russo's Almost Dead, Les Claypool's Fearless Flying Frog Brigade, Mike Gordon, Humphreys McGee, Lettuce, Twiddle, and Ripe, and then a bunch of other acts that they have include Andy Frasco and the UN, Lawrence, Trouble No More. Um, uh, Magic City Hippies, Dogs in a Pile, uh, Thumposaurus, um, Jamo and Friends, uh, Christone Kingfish Ingram, Dwayne Betts, uh, Karina Rickman, Ghostlight, and a bunch, bunch, bunch of others. Um, including, a uh, Talk, uh, Daniel Donato's Cosmic Country, Sun Little, um, bunch of others yeah this one they have a lot of acts with this one and i think that we'll start with the headliners i think those are those are some bands that really have big followings uh tedeschi trucks band is a massive band in jam music now um my morning jacket has a really big following goose has absolutely exploded um i hadn't had i always never had them like as high and now suddenly i'm like I never thought they were as big as they are. Now suddenly I'm like, okay, yeah, they're they're big in jam music. Yeah, this makes sense now. Um, Ween also definitely has a following as well. Um, anytime that there is like Joe Russo's almost dead. Anytime there's something that involves dead, the dead, um, Grateful Dead. That's yeah, that's a good call. Les Claypool is big in the genre. Um, Humphreys McGee big in the genre as well. Um, Lettuce is following, Twiddle is following, Mike Gordon is following, Ripe has a following. A bunch of these acts that are lower also have followings. Um, Kingfish Ingram is rapidly rising. Um, a little bit surprised that Dwayne Betts is as low as he is, actually. Um, Jamal and Friends, I think, is a good call, also. Same thing with Dogs in a Pile. Um, Andy Frasco, also. Good call as a following. Um, yeah, I think overall they... Especially if you're a jam fan, yeah, this is this this is a good lineup. I think um, isn't like going to be one of the ones where like it's like an absolutely overwhelming necessarily headliner. I know I said that after praising their headliners, but I mean it's not like you're gonna. It's not like, for instance, if they booked like done something absolutely insane like Dead and Company, uh, Jack Johnson, um, something along those lines, Fish, like some acts along those lines, but still. I mean, those acts still are notable acts in jam music. I think that, I think that ov overall, if you're a jam fan, yeah, that feels like a good, <laughs> that feels like a great festival for that. Uh, next lineup I would like to discuss is Romp Fest. It's uh, actually it's the twentieth annual one, um, and it's put on by the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, it's going to take place in uh, Owensboro, Kentucky. From June 21st through 24th, 
They haven't announced, they haven't announced the whole lineup. There are several others that haven't been announced. They also haven't announced, uh, or they haven't specified with the lineup yet what day everyone is performing. But so far, the acts they have booked so far are Old Crow Medicine Show, Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder, Sam Bush, The Infamous String Dusters, Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway, Rhonda Vincent, Peter Rowan Bluegrass Band, Tuba Skinny, Henhouse Prowlers, Kitchen Dwellers, John R. Miller, Slocan Ramblers, and there's only a few more, so I'll just say the rest of them that they have announced so far, uh, Bill and the Bells, Stillhouse Junkies, Damn Tall Buildings, Armchair Boogie, and Kentucky Blue... Kentucky Bluegrass All-Stars. There we go. Matt knows how to speak English on a podcast now. Um, yeah, overall, I think that those are some really notable groups in bluegrass. Sam Bush, really big following. Same thing with Ricky Skaggs. Um, Old Crow Medicine Show does as well. Infant String Dusters, I think, is a really smart one. Rhonda Vincent, I think, is an underrated one in that regard, even though I know she's higher up so far. Um, she has a following. Uh, big one. Yeah, I think overall... They, and, I mean, they have a few a few of the acts that they booked are members of the Bluegrass Hall of Fame, including Ricky Skaggs, Sam Bush, and Peter Owen. So, overall, I think that those are some good choices so far. We'll see what happens to the rest of the lineup, but I can see Bluegrass fans being excited for that. Next up is uh, 8030 Festival. Or, um, I'm sorry, 8035, rather. Um, I always call it 8030 for some reason instead. Um... This one's taking place in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, it's going to be f- uh, July 7th through 8th, um, so Friday, Saturday, and uh, they haven't announced the full lineup yet. In particular, they said they um, there are more acts so far that have been announced Saturday than Sunday, or Saturday than Friday, rather. Um, the acts that they have booked so are the headliner so far, Friday, The War on Drugs, Saturday, Big Boy, um, other acts that they have booked so far. Uh, the other, because there aren't many on Friday, I'll just say all of them. Uh, Sudan Archives, Deerhoof, Rick Wilson, Gustav, House of Large Sizes, Elizabeth Moen, and Tails. And then on Saturday, um, they also have Cautious Clay, Blue to Tiger, Thumposaurus, William Elliot Whitmore, um, Etron Delaire, um, Disc, McKinley Dixon, Axe and the Hatchet Men, which might be my one of my favorite names of a band ever. Um, Kiss the Tiger, Ancient Posse, and Emma Butterworth. Um, it's an interesting combo to have those two as the headliners, but um, this one tends to be more of an indie festival. Warren Drugs is a massive following in indie. Big Boy's an interesting choice, but he... I mean, a lot of festivals have booked him and he's drawn crowds at them. So I think that... I think it's a good call there. Um, Sudan Archives ra- seems to be rapidly rising. Deerhoof has a big indie following. Blue to Tiger seems to be rising like crazy. Cautious Clay um, has a big indie following. Um, William Elliott Whitmore seems to have a notable indie following. Same thing with Gustav. Um, yeah, I think overall those are some good choices for the festival. Um, the next festival I would like to discuss... Um, is another big jam one, and that is Summer Camp Music Festival. Um, so it's going to be in uh, uh, Chillicothe, Illinois, um, from May 26th through 28th at Three Sisters Park. Um, though, So the way they have it broken down is they have it... Uh, 
a bunch of names at the top, and then they have a bunch of groupings afterwards. So I'm going to uh, the ones at the top are um, as follows: Humphreys McGee, who are doing three sets or three days rather, um, performing on three days, and uh, they're celebrating their 25th anniversary. Mo, who is performing three days as well. Um, then Willie Nelson and family, Excision, Wolfbeck, or Wolfbeck, excuse me, um, Goose, who is performing two sets, Les Claypool's Fearless Flying Frog Brigade, and the Disco Biscuits. Um, other acts they have include Corey Wong, Girl Talk, Lotus, The Floozies, Manic Focus, Keller Williams Trio, Andy Frasco and the UN, Inzo, uh, Sensquabi, Papadozio, Papa Dirtwire, Break Science, Maddie O'Neill, The Funk Hunters, Yonder Mountain String Band, The Whalers, Sierra Hull, Bill and Jillian, Ner Bill and Jillian Nershey featuring Jason Hahn, Kyle Hollingsworth Band, uh, Doom Flamingo, Talk featuring uh, Kanika Moore, Big Something, La Special, Fortunate Youth, Snakes and Stars, Circles Around the Sun, and many, 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 many others. And also, they haven't announced their full lineup yet. It's there's a lot of acts performing this one. Um, yeah, that's it's gonna be a massive festival, I think. Um, I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think it's so smart to have book when you book to when Jam Festival books bands to have acts doing multiple sets. They seem to they seem to love doing they seem to love just performing as many sets as they can. Um, Fan, especially if it's a noble band, fans will see them multiple times and will stay multiple days. And then that way you also don't have to book as many acts as you would have realistically. Like by, for instance, by booking Mo for three, uh, for three days, that's two fewer acts that you would have to book otherwise. Um, disco, I mean, I'm sorry, not disco, Biscuits. goose is the one that's doing two, two sets. That's one less set that you have to book for. And also both of those are really notable. Them, those two and Humphreys McGee, they're really notable bands in jam. So, yeah, you could say, oh, it's less if you actually have to do. But then also, you it's still a ma those are still big names in jam music. So, um, Willie Nelson, I think, is a really smart one. Wolfpack has a massive live following. Um, I know I've already discussed, like, Les Claypool. Um, Excision and Disco Biscuits are two more electronic acts, and they have big followings. And then even a lot of the undercard acts have really big followings. Like, uh, Corey Wong, pretty big name in jam music. Keller Williams, big name in jam music. Lotus, same thing. Girl Talk has the following. Andy Frasco, I think, is a good call. The Whalers, I think, is a good call. Yonder Mountain Spring, String Band is a lower one that I think is brilliant. Sierra Hall is another one I think is absolutely brilliant to book. Um, Kyle Hollingsworth Band is another one that I think is really smart to book. Um, they have a bunch of acts that I think are really smart to book. And even, like, lower, I, there are some other ones that are... Like that, I'm like, oh yeah, they'll draw crowds. Like lower down is a perpetual groove. They'll draw a crowd. Um, uh, there was another one that I had that I lost. Dogs in a pile. They will draw a crowd. Um, I can't find what the other one was that I was looking at. Um, but still, uh, Sun Little was the other one. Yeah, Sun Little will draw a crowd. Also, I mean, th I think that overall is a really deep festival, and it's also top heavy which i think that that one and it's not and also when i say it's top heavy it's not like because it's a notable festival it's not a festival that's going to break it's not a lineup that's going to necessarily break the bank though 
So I think that overall, that's a brilliant lineup for that one. And then the final festival that we're going to talk about, I know I've talked about a ton of festivals. We're already <laughs> closing in on an hour and I've uh, mostly talked about festivals, um, is Hangout Fest. So um, it's going to take place May 19th through 21st in, uh, in Alabama. Um, the main acts that they have, because they have eight acts at the top, and then after that, everyone's in alphabetical order by grouping, but the main acts that they have at the top here are Red Hot Chili Peppers, SZA, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lil Nas X, Flume, Skrillex, and The Kid Leroy. And then after that, uh, I'll go through each of the ones in the next section, uh, in alphabetical order, AJR, Alice in Wonderland, Ash, The Backseat Lovers, Big Wild, Coin, Ferg, Glory, Glorilla, I always do that, my apologies, um, Griffin, John Summit, Kevin Gates, Noah Kahn, Noah uh, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, Rez, Russ, Sabrina Carpenter, Set the Sky, Thundercat, Tovlo, Young Gravy, and a bunch of others, including The Main, Mariah the Scientist, Mayday Parade, Kid G, Mike, um, Steven Sanchez, Two Feet, Luna, Eloheim, bun Sam Fisher, bunch of others. Um, the headliners are interesting selections. Um, I think that it's interesting because SZA, they were pro. I mean, she has a big following, but still, I think they were really probably banking on their newest album to be a success, and it was. It was a massive success. So yeah, that panned out really well for them. I'd say. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, they have a big following. That makes sense. Um, even if they're, even if for a band as notable as they are, they are slightly polarizing. Still, they have a big following, so I think it's a fair headliner. Calvin Harris still has a following, even if he's not as big as he once was. I think that you can pass you he you can pass him off as a headliner. Paramore, I think, really with the uh, resurgence in emo music, Paramore has really benefited from that. Um, and I. Interesting to see, like, uh, with the combination of Lil Nas X, Flume, Skrillex, and the Kid Leroy. Lil Nas X, I thought could have you could have gone away with a headliner, but it seems like a lot of festivals. I think in my fictional festival series, I had him as a headliner for one day, but it seems like a lot of festivals have disagreed so far. Um, but still, being the second biggest name on a day, I think is fair. Um, I think the f the combination of Flume, Skrillex, and the Kid Leroy are interesting because I haven't been sure where. They should be on each day. Flume, that maybe second or third biggest, I would say. Um, but still, I mean, because he has huge electronic music in the U.S., still there's a case to be made lower. Skrillex and Kid, Skrillex in particular, I wasn't sure where he was. He's still a notable enough name that, yeah, I think that's fair to expect him second or third biggest name on a day. But still, I was still like, I don't know. The Kid Leroy has had a few hits. But it's still, like, shorter in his career, so I wasn't sure where. And also, there are still a decent number of people that don't just don't like him. Um, in turn, it's interesting undercard act, um, intric undercard. They have a bunch of acts that have gotten really popular lately. Um, Young Gravy, in particular. Uh, Thundercat, well, he's been notable for a little while, but he's absolutely exploded in the last few years. Um, and a couple other acts like that are, like, Rez, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, uh, Glorilla. No, okay, Han. Um, 
Coin seems to have a really big live following also. Um, they have It's funny, because a lot of these... And Sabrina Carpenter is another actor that also has a flow recently. They have a bunch of acts that like you would look at and maybe not... And maybe think, meh, I don't know. But a lot of these acts do have big followings. Coin in particular is one that have a massive live following. Rain, same thing with Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Those two in particular have really big live followings. Um, and then... Um, I I've been wondering for a little while where John Summit would be for a festival. I was thinking around where they put him in that kind of area. Um, Res has I think is that I think is really sm in that grouping might be one of the smarter ones in there. And I say that even while I think that getting like Tovlo, Young Gravy, Thundercat, Spring Carpenter, Remington Surprise in particular, Alice in Wonderland, all of those in particular, and some others, Coin also are really brilliant bookings. I think Rez might be one of the smartest ones in that section. Um, and then as for the lower ones, it's, it really is an interesting combo. Um, like acts like the main two, two feet, uh, Demon Sanchez. I mean, those are all, it's just an interesting lineup. Um, I think it will be a hit. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting lineup. I, um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's not as successful as other hangout fests. But still, it might be. There's, it's, it's interesting. I think it will depend on if a lot of these acts that do have. I know I'm over the five minutes for this festival, but I think it will depend on if a lot of the acts that are over the five minutes, uh, or I'm sorry, a lot of the acts that do have lar large followings, end up going to them. But still, I think the headliners might make it work. Um. Now the next topic that I do want to discuss really briefly, um. There's been so many headlines about the 1975's uh, stage antics lately, um, including uh, eating meat on stage, ki uh, car kissing a fan, but carding her to make sure she was 18, she was legal. Prior to that, um, dozens of others, and this is all Matt Healy, their lead vocalist dozens of other ones um and there's some people and um and there's some people that uh appear to be put off by it which i mean as a whole they are and they are an act that does have um that while there are people that are absolutely obsessed with the group there are actually there are a surprising number of people that don't like the group given how popular they've gotten um but, um, yeah, ultimately, I will say that, uh, they, um, I mean, ultimately, my, I know a lot of people are, have responded really, there are a lot of people that have responded really strongly to, uh, their, um, to their live shows. Ultimately, my honest response to that is that it's not in my opinion nothing nothing too too like shocking for rock and i and i know that that's uh oh another one i forgot to mention that was probably the f most the most insane one was Matt Healy getting a tattoo on stage during it um 
but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm not. I didn't find any of it too shocking. Actually, my response is okay. That's rock music. I know they're like more on the pop rock end, but still, a lot of a lot of acts do like these crazy stage antics. I think that just because the 1975 is so polarizing, there's a different response to them. Um. And I'm saying this as someone who's not... I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan of the 1975. But I like their music. I like what I've heard from them. Um, my response to a lot of the stage antics they've done is... Okay. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Um, I, I mean, I... I, I when a lot of people, there are people making a big deal out of it. I don't think it is anything to make a big deal out of. Um... Next thing that I want to talk about, one thing that's been really big in uh in um hard rock metal, more so hard rock, is the use of background tracks. It's been really controversial live, um, because there's a lot of people who have gotten annoyed about the fact that there are people doing using backing tracks, saying that it's uh claiming that it's including like members inside the hard rock metal community, um, both musicians and, like, commentators, hosts, whatever, um, uh, claiming that it's, uh, um, uh, citing that it's, like, cheating it, cheating not, like, a legitimate show, um, and so, notable glam metal band Wasp has, uh, their frontman blackie lawless has uh was asked about it um uh when he was asked about uh about that his response was uh um to answer your question yes we are using backing tracks you want to know why when we go to when we go into a studio and let me clarify that statement that's me singing when we go to a studio, we do the courses, we do double, triple, quadruple, and vocals. So my feelings were when I listened to the live YouTube recording, uh, recordings of Wasp shows, and we weren't doing that, it sounded thin. When we started supplementing it, it sounded better. Um, and then he further said, quote, If I'm a fan and I'm coming to a show, I want to, I, I want that thing to sound as good as it can. There are other bands the queens of the world, they cannot duplicate 24 vocals at one time. That's what they do on these on those records. If you want it to sound like those records, you've got to have some help. Um, but then he did say that, uh, he also did say, um, quote, now in defense, I guess maybe what you're asking is, is it fair for a band to go out and only, and use only those? No, that is not fair. Um, I mean, really the big thing with that is that, uh, I will say it is a bit of a lose-lose situation in a lot of ways because, uh, in that regard, in my opinion, because you have, uh, um, uh, you have, like, an, is, an act is accused of using, uh, backing tracks, then they're criticized, and in particular, you have some, a lot of older, a lot of fans that were the vocalists are losing their vocals, for instance, which, I mean, for instance, like you see acts like Motley Crue or uh, Dream Theater, for instance, where the 
vocalists at times have like the vocals haven't have I don't want to say necessarily strained, but I mean look, those acts they've been a lot of these acts have been at it for years, many years touring all the time and singing all the time. Your voice tends to go. <laughs> I mean, um, my my I mean I was at a I was at a wedding last weekend and. The day after, my my throat was killing me, and my voice sounded awful. So, and I didn't. I tested negative for COVID m- multiple times. Don't worry, it wasn't COVID. Um, but still, I um, still, I mean, that's it's so. I mean, in that kind of case, people just. I don't think people in general are understanding with that. I mean, with the backing vocal. I mean, with the backing tracks, I actually do want to do a, po- a podcast kind of like discussion with that. One at some point with some people, others, because I think that it is a really interesting one, especially seeing like different genres where you have like an electron electronic shows, for instance, where um, a lot of the times the music is pre-recorded um, and they're not actually playing it. They're like the buttons they're pushing are like adjusting volume or like ta- pushing a button to have multiple sounds play at once kind of thing. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that, in part because uh, um in part because it, they, you don't want to have to worry about tech, uh, computer issues, and also because a lot of times you have one person that would ha- have to do like multiple instrumentations at one time. Um, but yeah, I think that in general, I do find it interesting in that regard. That topic interesting. I mainly want to bring it up because I'm think that it is good to at least, if nothing else, clarify that that uh. Yeah, I think that it is an important distinction to make there for that debate. Um, the next topic that I want to discuss briefly, and also those quotes I didn't mention were from uh, came from Loudwire. Um, next topic that I want to discuss briefly, um, th- this one has been cited by a bunch of pl- a bunch of publications. This one in particular is from uh, MusicNews.com. Uh, the headline, Iggy Azalea sells master recording and publishing for eight figures. Um, yeah, she sold her catalog to Domain Capital um, and includes her song, uh, Fancy Black Widow and Problem. Uh, it's interesting because uh, she... Um, so she sold her catalog. So now it's that's interesting because a lot of times, um, you all a lot of times artists because she's still fairly early in her career for this, but a lot of times artists who do sell their catalogs end up don't making like much royalty from that. But at the same time, um, there is a, apparently a trigger deal kind of thing with future earnings from the masters in there. So I think that makes it that does make sense in that regard. Um, I'm not that surprised to see they didn't say what the eight figure deal is, so it could be anywhere from uh, uh, one dollar shy of a hundred million dollars to it could be ten million or it could be ten million dollars or it could be anywhere in between. Um, but I'm not surprised by that. That's uh, by that amount. Um, I, it wouldn't even surprise me based on other acts if it was in the if it was minimum 40 to 50 million dollars um and uh in particular cuz she did have some massive hits um fancy being her biggest one but also black widow and problem a couple other ones um but yeah she also is the 
owner for the sole owner for her uh, record label Bad Dreams, um, and is trying to find a new distribution deal. So I think that uh, that I think it's an interesting deal, especially. Um, but I think that in particular, she did. Uh, it's sounding like that the deal itself wasn't selling her future rights her future catalog rights, which is, and, and while she, like, I wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't replicate the same success she had with some of her earlier hits, that's a big deal in that regard, because then you, uh, because then she would still get royalties from any future, any future releases, um, and also with her own, owning the record, her own record label, um, I don't know who else is on the record label, but, um, a lot of times the record label head, you can benefit a lot from, uh, more financially so overall from a financial standpoint um earlier than a lot of acts would be selling the catalog but right now i think if you are going to sell it i think that's the time to sell it um especially it wouldn't surprise me if it was in the if i'm i'm a it could be as low as 10 million dollars but i mean if even if it was like like i don't know i say low but uh that is kind of low for a lot of the deals it wouldn't surprise me if it was like 40 50 million uh, even um I'd say they might honestly only be like 15, 20, but still it wouldn't surprise me if it was like 40 to 50 million. I think that overall now is the right time to do that because um, there is, um, it is a seller's market for uh, for those, uh, for publishing rights. And it, I think that's the right, I think that's a good call to do that there. Um, now, the next thing that I do want to discuss is the One We Were Young Fest. And now, the reason I want to discuss that is because um, I make a lot of predictions, I make a lot of statements, and I know, um, of course, when I make a lot of statements like that, I'll be wrong at times. I think I made statements along the lines of that this festival, I thought it was going to be a scam. It's safe to say I was wrong about that. Um, the festival actually happened. Um, now, the first... It was a three-day festival, ultimately, back in October, I want to say. Um, day one ended up being canceled because of weather. Now, I don't know all the details about that part. Uh, they... Um, and I... Um, so, I don't know, for instance... I don't know what the weather was like. There was kind of like high winds. Um, and I don't know. It was sounding like that they from what I heard, it didn't sound like they had the best, um, communication out with it, and was kind of last minute and sloppily announced, from what I heard, but still, I mean, a lot, of, especially with new festivals, that's not surprising, um, I've talked about how much of a mess the tornado going through Epicenter was, and how, um, they didn't seem to have any idea what they were doing with that one, um, but, uh, the, it sounded like the other two days, uh, were successful overall. I mean, there it sounded like that there were it sounded like there were flaws. Like um, I think some people were had discussed like uh the um, uh that the audio for I heard some people saying the audio wasn't amazing, uh for that kind of festival, um. Uh, and uh, it also sounded like that they were. Um. Um, I mean, there were, like, some other things that, like, 
um, didn't sound like that they're, uh, in general, actually, it didn't sound like that, uh, they were, the day one, it sounded like people, are, a lot of people were having a mess with, uh, day one, um, with it being canceled and trying to get a refund, which, technically, for weather, they don't have to offer a refund, um, because that's not something in their control, um, but, uh, I mean, that's, it is scummy, but, uh, Still, though, um, as, uh, um, but yeah, I think that it sounded like that, uh, for the other days, uh, um, it did sound like that there were a lot of people that did enjoy the festival overall when they attended, um, and I, and yeah, I think it's safe to say. I was wrong. You know, um, they, um, it sounded like that, uh, I thought it was possible. It, it was not going to work. I thought it was going to be impossible. But, um, I think that some things that they did that I think were good also, um, was that I saw the way they did it. Cause they were making it sound like that it was going to be one act performing at the same time. With the amount of acts they did in one day, I said, that's not going to work. Um, ultimately, they didn't do that. Um, they, I'm going to pull up the schedule right now. Um, but, uh, they, um, I, they had at least five stages. I don't remember off the top of my head how, yeah, they had five stages, um, which I think was, uh, which I think was a good call, a good number for that one. And they had... They had acts performing at the same time, which, honestly, they had to. Um, I also wasn't sure how they would do it with the sets, like whether, because I how long the sets would be, whether they would do like thirty minute sets or whether some acts would get longer sets. I was hoping the way they would do it was that they would give some acts longer sets, and they did that. They had um, like for instance um. Or I think it was was it Dashboard Confessional was the first act? Yeah, Dashboard Confessional. They had a forty minute set, and after that, on the main stage, at least every other act was at least for, performed for at least forty minutes. Um, and it, as it went on, there were some acts that performed a little bit longer. Did remember uh, Avril? No, Avril Lavigne only performed for forty minutes. Never mind. I did remember for for forty five. Red Eyes performed for no. Red Eyes only performed for forty. My bad. Um. Bring with the Horizon performed for 45, Paramore performed for an hour, Mind Chemical Romance, I don't know how long their set ultimately was, but, um, at least an hour, um, which probably was longer, um, but yeah, I thought that, and they did it so that, kind of like, more like the setup for Warp Tour, where they had, um, like, they had the main, the two main stages, um, where they had it, one act performing at each time, which I... I actually really like that for a lot of festivals, especially if you, if, even if it means like you have sets, um, stages that are like right next to each other or something or really close in proximity to each other. I think that's a good idea because you can have, uh, acts performing like, uh, cause then you could just do at one act, then one act, then one act, and you don't have to worry about, uh, having downtime at any point really. And I, and then that way also, um, cause if, on top of that, if you have downtime at any point, you might have fans that are attendees that are like, eh, 
and just wander and then maybe later on be like, eh, I don't really want to stay here anymore and leave um, if there is enough of a downtime. So I think that that was, I think that's a really good decision. I like that move. Um, and I, um, I, um, and I'm looking at, and I, I kind of do think it's interesting, like how they spread out. Cause they, it looks like that they did have, um, they tried to do it so that there wasn't like, it seemed like they tried to do it so that there wasn't like, um, for instance, like several pop punk acts of the same genre at the earth at the same time or something like that, um, or the same era, um, of the same popularity level at the same time, for instance. So like, um, and there were times where it was tougher. Like for instance, they had, um, story of the story of the year and we, the Kings at around the same time, um, which is tougher for sure. Um, and Atreyu also <laughs> overlapping with that. Same thing with Made It Parade early on, which is like, oof, that's rough. Um, but, um, and, and like they had some other interesting ones. Like later on, they had like, for instance, Avril Lavigne and All American Rejects overlapping. But I mean, they're probably going to be bound to have some overlapping in that regard especially when you have that many pop punk acts it's a lot easier said than done to not have that i think that really at that point as the goal would be to not have two major acts overlapping um of the similar genre which um overall they mixed bag about that um they um i guess it depends for instance if like uh, you consider bringing the horizon and dance gavin dance similar enough genre wise or bright eyes and manchester orchestra similar enough genre wise i personally would um and it looks like for the other stages because they had three other stages most of the acts in the other stages were had 30 minute sets there were occasional act here and there on because they did a black stage pink stage or the two made stages and then checker stripes and neon tent um, looks like all the neon tent ones were 30 minutes. Um, most of the striped one, if not all the striped ones were 30 minutes. Majority of the checkered ones were 30 minutes. There are a couple exceptions. Um, you had, uh, Alkaline Trio, Manchester Orchestra. Both of those were 40 minutes. And I don't think that there were any other ones that were 40 minutes. Um, but overall... Look, I mean, ultimately, the end goal... I mean, realistically, the end goal is to make money with the festival. It sounded like they... That wouldn't surprise me if they did, based on how much they were charging for stuff. Um, but at the same time, they did go all out with this. So they might not have made money in the first year doing it quite yet. Um, but, uh... In terms... I mean, ultimately, uh, besides the goal of making money... In terms of festival goers, you want them to be to enjoy it, be happy, etc. Because you want them to want to come back next year. You want them to recommend it to people. You want good press overall. Um, so I think that ultimately, as much of a mess as it sounded like prior to it, which I, yeah, I did think it was going to be a, a flop of festival. Overall, sounds like it was a success to overall with them. Um, so congratulations, and my apologies, I was wrong. I'll gladly own up to the fact that, um, that I 
but I was wrong with that. Um, and now, uh, the, so I was considering doing, uh, doing a spoken essay. I think at this point, cause it's so long in the podcast, I'm not going to this time. So next episode, I'm going to do that. And that's the uh, one that I've been, cause I thought it was fitting with this one, um, with this topic with when we were young fest. Um, but I will just tease that briefly. Um, uh, that's called the, that spoken essay is called the nostalgia factor. Um, it's basically looking at like acts who have had a bit of a resurgence suddenly, um, after having a down period in their career or not be necessary or seemingly being out of their commercial prime. I'll, I'll do that essay. It's something that I've been observed. I've, been looking at for a while that I find really found really interesting. I've alluded to it in uh, been discussing festivals or other artists, um, but the last thing that I do want to discuss, <laughs> I I love this article. Um, I think it's it's so funny. Um, <laughs> it's from NPR. Here's the headline: Death metal singers have a vocal counterpart. In bats. <laughs> um, so, uh, apparently with the vocal range, um, the vocal range for bats actually, um, does a lot, there's a lot of, uh, tie-in between the two, between, uh, bats and metal singers. Um, and in particular, um, because bats have a crazy vocal range, um, because they, have insanely high-pitched sounds, and then also lower-pitched ones, and apparently, um, they use a lot of the same techniques for their pitches that a lot of death metal vocalists do, <laughs> with, um, with, uh, between the growling in particular, or, um, or the, or the higher-pitched screaming, but in particular with the growling, um, and in particular from this article, because uh, there was a an actual research study that was done um, that was published in PLOS Biology. And um, from Cohen Elements, who was the re lead researcher, here's what he said. We were in, quote, we were interested in how can bats make all these different sounds? The, they make low frequency calls and make echolocation calls. And they span together like seven octaves. And that's really crazy. That is. That's a really wide range. Most mammals do three to four octaves. Like the best singers in terms of vocal ranges do like five or six. And it turns out bat. It turns out every bat can do seven. Um, and, and they said later on, quote, We basically found that bats make echolocation calls using very thin membranes that are basically extending the vocal cords. We noted that there's another set of, of folds just above those, and we could get to those vibrations very easily, but they were vibrating at very low frequencies. Um, and um, he had said also that um, a lot of those ones, uh, I'll say another quote that he had was, uh, so the false vocal cords get lowered a bit, uh, get lowered a little bit towards the vocal cords, um, and the vocal cords that were like the lower freak, the lower frequency ones, um, or the, that were just mentioned before, um, the other set of them, those are the false vocal cords they're referring to. And because they said an NPR quote, because they have no functional, no function in normal speech, 
Um, so he said, quote, so the false vocal, quote, false, false vocal folds get lowered a little bit towards the vocal folds, and then together they get much heavier and looser, and they make a lot, a lot of lower frequency sounds, but also their vibration becomes very irregular. And that's what's given the rough quality of death metal singing. <laughs> so I think overall, I'd recommend this article, especially if you're a metal fan. I think that's really, it's, I find it really interesting um, and really cool to see. Um, but I did just want to discuss that one briefly. I think it's really cool. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Um, I was thinking, there's a chance that this might be my last episode of the calendar year. I'm hoping that's not the case, but my schedule is absolutely crazy with work, so we'll see. Anyways, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, be sure to like uh, Groupie and Harmony and Isabel or Trademark Yet Facebook pages. Be sure to check out the blogs for Feeling Groupie and Isabel or Trademark Yet, and I'll talk to you soon. And also, hope you have a happy holidays, and if I don't talk to you before then, a happy new year. Bye.